Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. What is your definition of leadership? As an entrepreneur, you are a leader. Whether you have employees, it's just yourself. If you've got vendors and people that you're working with, you are leading and you need to be a leader. And it's said that as a leader, you need to be uncomfortable to be successful. You need to push the boundaries. You need to do something a little bit different. You need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess is the, is the way they say it. And how can you be more uncomfortable than jumping out of airplanes or doing indoor skydiving when you're learning about your business? We're gonna talk all about that and how that really fits into running a better business. My guest today is Robert Bob Pizzini. He's a Navy special ops corporate career, runs a really cool, interesting franchise where we're going to talk about skydiving. Bob, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks, Adam. Uh, great intro. And uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Yes, I, I appreciate I appreciate it. And uh, Bob and I were introduced by, by a good friend of ours. And his story is so, is so interesting and compelling, not just what he's done in his career, because that's really cool but what he's doing now and how he's helping people on a different level, different plane. But let's start a little bit with your backstory because um, even before your military career, you, you probably did some cool things. What, what led you through the course of your path? Where did you start? Sure. So uh, when I was a young man, uh, I grew up watching the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. And, um, and I just, this is when scuba diving was really uh, developing and, and advancing. And I was just enamored with the undersea world, generally speaking. So I became a scuba diver uh, when I was 12 years old, worked at the local dive shop in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And uh, when I graduated high school, I just wanted to be a Navy diver. So I enlisted in the Navy, became a Navy diver, uh, which is uh, basically a, a, a pathway into the special operations community. That led to Navy EOD, which is Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Uh, and that just led to a 26-year career that was incredible, awesome. And uh, if I was 18, I would do it all over again. After that 26-year career, um, I retired and went into the private sector. And uh, the entrepreneurial bug definitely bit me at some point along the way. And um, uh, I opened the indoor skydiving franchise. I was exposed to that during my military career for training. We would use these indoor skydiving facilities. And uh, I was fortunate enough to to develop one here in Virginia Beach. Very cool, and, and uh, I'm from Bayside, Wisconsin, so just up the uh, <laughs> up the road from where from where you were during your your military career. You just um, from scuba scuba diving to skydiving to special operations. You probably had thoughts about your post military life, like I'm going to do my 20 and then I'm going to do something. Was, was opening a business, was entrepreneurship part of that mental makeup or was it, I love this, I'm going to go get a job, have a pension, have a job, have a good life and retire early? What, what was going on in your head during those years? Yeah, so, uh, so you know, uh, when, I, when retirement was on the horizon and everybody retires from the military eventually, it happens to all of us, we say, um, especially in the special operations world, it's very easy to get these contracting jobs that you hear about. I could get a contracting job and stay in the United States. I could get a contracting job and go overseas. 
you know, but I have children who are now 15 years old, uh, twins, a boy and a girl, and I wanted all the travel to kind of come to an end. Uh, I did take a contracting job in, in the realm of Navy EOD, special operations, kind of this, this white collar consulting that we did. And while I was doing that, I was also writing the business plan and exploring the franchise opportunity with iFly. And one day, the iFly opportunity, you know, I had I advanced it to the point to where this was uh, appealing to investors and to bankers. And, and a lot of that had to do with my background, um, the fact that, that I was a subject matter expert in military free fall, military training. And, you know, when you look at the tourist numbers in Virginia Beach and the median um, uh, income and the population density, everything just made sense. Now, I will say this. I couldn't spell the word business when I was getting ready to retire. And uh, I put myself through some crash courses. Uh, one thing the Navy uh, made me very good at is learning. And um, although I couldn't spell the word business, I knew where to go learn how to spell the word business. And so I put myself through this, this mini entrepreneurial educational process. It was fun. I'm still you know, doing it in a lot of different ways, but you know, this is 10 years ago. And uh, uh, so that, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And um, uh, here we are, we've been in business now for six years. And, and that kind of led to what I know we're going to talk about shortly, which is my, my leadership offering, which again, just this natural evolution of things. It's, it's really cool. No, I, I love that direction because that's where I was going to take it because in, in special operations fashion, you didn't just do one thing. You decided to do many <laughs> things and, and do them all to, to the limit. And, and part of that is your work on the leadership side. And in, in the military, it's easy for us that have not been in the military to understand that there are great leaders there and you learn a number of skills. You get, uh, as you increase in rank, you have the opportunity to be a leader earlier than some of us in the corporate world, right? Many times you don't hit a management or a manager level in the corporate world ever if you don't want to. In the mm -hmm. military, it's inherent. You can't not. Um, when did you begin to identify great leaders in your own life that molded you to, to begin to build your specific model that, like, where did that really start that leadership sure. was something sure. that you wanted to learn more about? Sure, absolutely. I'm going to answer that in just a second. You actually said something that's very impactful and very relative in that in the military, that leadership, you don't have a choice. You attend leadership training, you're put in a leadership position, um, you're allowed to fail a few times and really learn the lessons, but, but you don't have a choice. You will be a leader um, if you want to you know, stick around and, and do your entire career. And, and I learned a very important lesson as I, as I, I have 40 people that work for me now. And um, I learned a very important lesson in terms of leadership uh, with, you know, the average 27 or 25 year old in the military is on their second or third leadership assignment or leadership position. And as you alluded to, sometimes people in the private sector never really aspire to that. And, um, and so I made a, a poor assumption. Um, you know, I looked at education and I looked at some experience and, and I made some mistakes in hiring thinking I was hiring leaders. Um, when really they hadn't had that exposure at that point. And, uh, so it was a, it was a, misperception and a mis mistake on my part. Now let me go back and answer your question. Um, so early in my career, um, I was inspired by, by leaders who were very good and also leaders who were very poor. And I remember early in my career thinking, 
my God, is that is, you know, I had a very poor leader early in my career and I thought, I'm not going to stick around. If this is what this is like, I'm not going to stick around. And then that person left and a new person came in and I thought, oh yeah, okay, this is what I was expecting. People who um, lead you, they don't manage you, they lead you, right? People want to be led, but they don't want to be managed. And uh, so what I mean by that is they enable you to do the job you've been trained to do. They put trust and confidence in you and they enable you to do the job you've been trained to do. So early in my career, uh, I was a U.S. Navy deep sea diver. And as a relatively junior sailor, um, I was an unlimited diving supervisor. I was in charge of very complex diving operations uh, you know, to the depth of 300 feet, mixed gas, open ocean. And uh, now certainly there was uh, somebody who was overseeing me uh, as, I was, as I was supervising these diving operations. But, but those leaders early on in my career, uh, they enabled and, and they, they led at their level and they allowed me to lead at my level. And then, you know, I'm a team member as well. The, the military is all about teams and, um, uh, you know, team of teams, which is what general, um, uh, having, a, having a moment here, but, um, but, but the, so, so this teamwork uh, and a good leader enables a team to really get out there and work as a team. And so I was, I was uh, inspired by those good leaders throughout my career, but I'll tell you a quick story about the best leader I had. Um, when I was mid-career, uh, in charge of a fairly complex diving operation. Um, I, the, we, used to, we used to go out and, and we would do this certain thing during the diving operation. And the new commanding officer said, we're not gonna do that particular event anymore. And uh, on that day, uh, and I got, the, I got that order and that information that day after our boat was loaded and we're getting ready to push away from the pier. So I looked at my team and I said, okay, today's the last day we're going to do that particular event. Uh, so I wasn't following the commanding officer's order. Well, we went out on the water and uh, things went sideways out there. And when I came back, obviously they said, did you, did you, were you aware of the commanding officer's new direction? I said, yes. And uh, was, was it clear? Was there something you didn't understand about it? I said, no, it was clear. And so now I'm actually in front of the commanding officer and he says, why, why, why did that happen? And it was just a lapse of judgment and a failure on my part. And if I could have gone back and, 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 and had a do-over, I certainly would have complied. But, but I made a huge mistake. And I was, ex I was willing to accept whatever punishment uh, the commanding officer deemed necessary. What he did, so I made a very poor mistake. Um, what he did was give me a path for recovery. After intense discussion, he saw that I owned it. He saw that I wasn't making excuses and he gave me a path for recovery. And I went on and had a great career, actually got a great promotion um, based on that particular assignment. But here's the three takeaways. Number one, as a leader, you have to require 100% from your team. Uh, number two, um, as a leader, you have to, when people come up short, uh, I'm sorry, number one, as a, as a teammate, you have to give your leader 100%. Number two, as a leader, you have to require 100%. And number three, in my case, when they come up short and they own it and they, they're bought into the mission because people will come up short of 100% all the time, give them a pathway for recovery. Remember, these are your teammates. Give them a pathway for recovery. So there's, there's a long answer to your question. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate the vulnerability about really telling how it affected you. We're talking with Bob Pizzini on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast with Adam Kipnis, uh, robertpizzini.com. I'll, I'll put it in there. He's got some great information on his website. And Bob, I, I appreciate the story. And um, I want to ask a question that we opened with, and it's something that you posed to me, which is, what does leadership mean to you? There's a million different leadership techniques and a million presenters um, on leadership. But if you ask anyone to define leadership, it's kind of that you know it when you see it. But internally, everyone has their own definition. And you asked that of people coming to your course, but I want to ask it of you. So to start, what is leadership to you? Sure. So, so my definition of leadership today is to take my education, my training, and my experience and use it to enable others to accomplish their objectives. Um, now, that definition was developed over years, and, and, but a well-rounded leader has education, they have experience, and they have training. Um, without a, a good blend of all three of those, uh, something's lacking in, in leadership. Leadership is a very personal brand at the end of the day. Uh, no two leaders are the same or should be the same. You should really seek out to define leadership in your own words and then apply your, your brand of leadership based on your definition. And that evolves, that changes. You know, the way I defined it 10 years ago is different than the way I define it today. And hopefully I will continue to evolve it throughout my professional life. I, 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 well, knowing who you are, you probably will. And I'm sure that that will go into your, the education and the things that you do. I think one of the hard things for a lot of people to really wrap their arms around is, is you can't read a book on leadership, right? You can, that was kind of an idiotic thing to say. You can read <laughs> lots of books on it, but yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. all of a sudden read a book and then walk in and be a, a leader of your people, whether it's, you know, in as, as small as being a leader amongst your friends, when people want to come to you for advice or follow your actions, or whether you have a team of employees in, a, in the corporate world, or whether you have a team in, in the military environment, it's not done with a book. It is experiential and it takes time and, and evolution. Um, when you're working with your clients, you've got a workshop that gives them great information. How do they continue to evolve? Uh, so let's start a little bit with when people come to your workshop, what are you teaching them that they can then evolve themselves continuously to be better and better leaders? Sure, sure. So uh, let me just comment real quick on something you said there about, <laughs> you know, you, you can read a book, you know, and that doesn't make you a leader. And that is so true. And I read in a book not too long ago that education without experience is simply philosophy. And uh, I thought that was a pretty brilliant uh, observation on the author's part. So uh, what we do, uh, we define leadership and we build a foundation. You know, leaders have to have a foundation. They have to very consciously know how they're leading in the moment, especially. How am I going to lead? How am I going to handle this situation right now? Or I've got this tense situation. How am I going to handle this situation tomorrow? In the case of my, the, the mistake that I made in the past, that command, my commanding officer, he, he thought about it for three days. Um, he, they basically said, go home, we'll call you when we're ready to talk to you. And uh, th so three days later. So you have to know what leadership style, what power type, 
you're going to apply in the moment. And, and, that, and, and those leadership styles and those power types are a, your foundation. And you have to have a solid foundation in leadership. You know, a skyscraper is a very tall building that has a foundation that's very deep and very wide. Without that foundation, that skyscraper is going to topple. And, and that foundation goes, often goes unseen, but it's a critical component of that skyscraper. And it's the same thing in leadership. And I've seen it, and I've actually been a little wobbly myself uh, at times. But without that foundation in leadership, your, your days are numbered. And I've seen, you know, uh, again, in the military, with exposure to so many different people, you, you, you experience leaders and you just go, you're not going to last. You know, you're not going to last. And I, and I see it in the private sector as well. Uh, you know, in the private sector, it's interesting because, again, in the military, you cannot promote until you've gone to the leadership training and experienced different levels of leadership. In the private sector, um, it's often overlooked. I see this in small to medium-sized businesses that I work with all the time. They, they don't, um, that great sales manager uh, who was just one person did such a good job that you decided to hire two more people that she is now in charge of. Well, she needs leadership training because a, a good part of her job now is to lead people uh, in addition to managing, you know, your sales and marketing operation, for example. So oftentimes uh, people wind up in leadership positions and, and they're, they're, they don't approach it deliberately and consciously until there's a problem. Then they go, wow, there's a lot more here that I need to pay attention to. So, so I will build a foundation uh, if you don't have one. And if you do have one, we will evolve that foundation. And, and what we're doing, and I, I call this the art and science of leadership. So the foundation building part is the art. And if you think about a, an artist, they have a palette of colors. And let's say that artist wants to paint a blue sky, but, but his blue is darker blue than what he wants uh, on, his, on his canvas. So he'll mix a little white with the blue to lighten it up a little bit to get just the right touch that he needs. And leadership is very similar. Should I be a visionary right now? Should I be a, de a democratic right now? Should I be um, a referent leader right now? What style should I apply to this situation? And, and realistically, you need to blend leadership styles and power types so you make the right decision. And what happens ultimately is you're a better leader immediately and you will be a better leader over a longer term. You will have a longer, more successful career if you, if you consciously approach leadership. And I show you how to do that. I walk you through that. And um, for follow-on then, uh, I, I, have, I call it the 10-minute leader. So for 10 minutes a day, I do this every day, and anybody, any leader should, for 10 minutes a day, you should be studying something relative to leadership, either revisiting information from the past to reinforce it, or expose yourself to new things. Leadership is a perishable skill as well. Just like an artist, um, or excuse me, just like a musician practices or rehearses for the concert, just like an athlete practice game tournament, uh, leadership is, is the same thing. If we don't refresh those skills and hone those leadership skills on a regular basis, we become less proficient at that. And I, obviously that's so important for us to do. And it leads me to something that I was thinking as you were talking. I love the, the different power types and, and thinking that leadership isn't just the person that people follow. There's a reason that people follow them. And it can be because you're compassionate in the right moment and you're strict in, in, in the right moment. And those two things, while sort of diametrically opposed, are both part of being a leader. But I want to ask 
the the flip side of that like are there people that are are just not built to be leaders yeah well absolutely and they wind up in leadership positions uh now you know there's so there's um there, I, I call it, uh, and I read this somewhere, and I can't remember where. So, so when I say I call it, um, I read this somewhere, and it just resonated with me. It basically, in, even in the military, and, and especially in the private sector, you have pioneers, migrators, and settlers. So a pioneer is that person who's striving for the next level. They're crushing it for the company. They want higher levels of responsibility. They want to be recognized as a subject matter expert. And they want to know that they're having a, a, a huge impact on the operation of the company. That's a pioneer. Uh, a migrator is somebody, uh, well, let's go to settler. So a settler is that nine to fiver. Just, they just want to show up and do their job and go home. You know, I don't want a bunch of increased responsibility. So they, they will actually turn promotions down because they don't want all the headaches that come with leadership. Um, and, and, and then the person that transitions from from migrator to pioneer, I, I mean, I'm sorry, transitions from settler to pioneer, we call that a migrator. So a migrator moves back and forth, they're open to anything, uh, they will aspire to leadership positions at one day. But here's the thing, whether you're a, a pioneer, a migrator, or a settler, uh, private sector businesses, you, we need all three. We need all three of those people. I, you need your nine to fives that are stable and you know, they want stability in their workplace and they bring stability to your workplace. So we need all three of those. Now, it's so important. And you probably see that every day in, in your business, right? You've got em employees, you've got in the indoor skydiving facility, and you probably need someone to, to de facto run it while, while you're doing leadership training. But you need that person every day that knows the safety rules, that comes in, isn't trying to um, get their next promotion. They love what they're doing and are trained really well to do it in, in leadership. Last sort of general question on leadership is, um, some people are, are born leaders, quote unquote. I just used air quotes for those of you listening <laughs> uh, to the podcast. It's, but it, so people can go out and people follow them. And they don't even know necessarily why it could be their personality. It could be their charisma. Mm -hmm. It could be a few things. Can you like give your definition, your training around born leaders versus people that sure. become better leaders and sure. where those differences are, those benefits are yeah. on the other side? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's a, this is a kind of a popular discussion uh, in terms of leadership. I was certainly not a born leader. Um, I'm somebody who was just well-trained over a very long period, and, I, and, and through that training, I, I was able to focus on leadership, and I was, able to, um, I was able to apply leadership and learn from success and from failure and, and take things to the next level. I think the mo most leaders out there, um, and certainly uh, most successful leaders, they went through a similar trajectory. They went through a similar kind of rise to their to their leadership position. They were good students to begin with. And really, I think, um, you know, there's, there's, there's one, of, one of the leadership styles is called the student leader or student leadership. And um, I'm reminded of a story I heard where this 10th you know, degree black belt uh, master martial artist shows up to a training session wearing a white belt. And he says, somebody teach me something today. 
So, uh, so leaders are always learning. And that's actually part of my presentation. I call it lifelong learning. Um, but if that's a critical component of when I talk about the science of leadership, lifelong learning is one of the six critical components. Um, again, uh, as I define the science of leadership. And real quick, I'll hit the other ones. So rest, hydration, nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health, and lifelong learning. Um, if leaders don't pay attention to that, their time is limited. And you will be a better leader in the moment, and you will be a better leader over the duration. If you are well-rested, well-hydrated, well-nourished, exercise develops brain and heart health, and then lifelong learning actually uh, advances brain health as well. And so these are just critical components. So to answer your question, um, uh, I don't think people are born leaders. I think uh, people become leaders based on their exposure, again, based on their education, their experience, and their training. And it's so important. And I love the fact that you brought up um, the, the, the science of, of leadership because um, I, that's not what people think of when they're going to a leadership seminar. That they're, right. that, that they're going to learn that they actually have to be alive and healthy and vibrant in order for people to want to engage with them. But that that's a separate conversation because that, that's uh, what people should take in, in your leadership training. So you do your leadership training in multiple cities all over the country. I think 34 cities in total uh, throughout your career in doing it. But when you do it in Virginia Beach, you you I don't want to give anything away, but you end it with <laughs> indoor skydiving. Yeah, we actually do it early in the day. Oh, you're, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a great icebreaker. We just want to scare the hell out of them early. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Then they're like, yeah, well, I don't want them. <laughs> well, I used to do it later in the day. And, you know, some people, they, they kind of have anxiety throughout the day. So, uh, but it's a great icebreaker. And, and we do the indoor skydiving um, as part of the leadership offering. You know, I, this is something, again, accidental discovery, right? I didn't get into this business and plan on doing that. I just saw things develop over time. And I was like, wow, there's something there. Let me, let me just back up a second. How did I get into the leadership education and training trade space? I was looking for leadership for my management team. I have, I have 40 employees. I have six people on my management team. And I could not find the leadership training that I had been exposed to throughout my career. So I developed my own little curriculum and I delivered the training to my team and I delivered it again and I delivered it again. Again, perishable skills, right? And people outside my organization saw what I was doing and they said, take that to market. They said, what you are doing, nobody else is doing. Take that to market. Um, and because I happened to own and operate an indoor skydiving facility, uh, I would see teams and companies come here, again, before I developed my own leadership offering, I would see corporate events and groups and teams come in and they just come in and do the indoor skydiving as you know, a corporate outing, a team building type of thing. And of course we market for that. But the commentary and the feedback and what I would see, I was amazed with. Uh, you know, some of the commentary like, uh, Ted and Jim can't stand each other at the office and they're high-fiving each other in the flight chamber. You know, so, <laughs> so it's, it's this true, uh, this, this true uh, ability to bring people together. And that's a new thing that I'm working with now. The experience of indoor skydiving truly brings people together. So in the corporate culture and the way I, I relate it to to my leadership experience is little movements inside the flight chamber, a teeny tiny little movement can have a huge effect. And, uh, and it's the same thing in leadership. You make these little 1%, 2% movements as a leader, 
and it can have a, a serious impact without you being aware of that. So, so we need to be aware as leaders, you know, right down to what you wear, the way you speak to people, who you talk to, you know, people are watching you. And so that's, uh, th that's a cool part of the offering. Now, the reason we say 34 different cities is there's, I, there's 34, I, 35, including mine, iFlies across the U.S. So if the, the, the team, the corporate team doesn't want to come to Virginia Beach, I can conduct the event at an iFly, um, you know, at a, in a city closer to them. For example, uh, I have a, a car dealership client. He owns six car dealerships and he's in Texas. And so we're going to use uh, iFly, iFly, um, iFly Dallas-Fort Worth, or iFly-Fort Worth, rather. And, uh, and uh, that event actually should have happened already, but COVID got in the way, so we, we have it reslated for August. So, so I, I incorporate the flight experience. However, I also can go to company XYZ and with no flight experience. And, and so every now and then I'll get a request for that. So I can do it with or without the flight experience. I, if you really want the best experience possible, you'll come to Virginia Beach. And my, my facility is right on the ocean front. We overlook the ocean, third floor conference room. The absolute first class experience is here in Virginia Beach, but, um, but I, can, I can do it anywhere. Perfect. And, and if need be, you can get someone to stand on a table and you just shove them right off and, and, and see what happens. Uh, Bob, I really appreciate the conversation, what we've been talking about. Final question for me to wrap up is, you know, a lot of people know they need to be better leaders and they can go to your website and they should at robertpazzini.com. There's a ton of great information there on just leadership in general and, and, and next steps to take. But there are people out there especially in the COVID environment. And if you're listening, you're seeing this two years in the future, you remember what we went through. <laughs> if you're doing it live, you're doing it now. Lack of leadership is rampant right now. Um, whether it's governmental or corporate or media, there's, there's not a whole lot of sanity and leadership in, in this. What can business owners do? Because their employees are working from home they're trying to keep it all together. Um, we're opening, we're not opening. What do they do first? Like what can people do sure. right now as sure. a first nugget to lead them to hopefully one of your retreats? Yeah, yeah. So uh, great question. And believe me, I'm living all this real time because my business had to close and then there was the phase one opening and the phase two. Ironically, in the state of Virginia, today is phase three. Today starts phase three. So I had to go through all that. But here's, here's the direct answer to that question. We can only see so far down the road, right? As leaders, we wanna be looking down the road, around the corner and up the next street. And we wanna read tea leaves in the crystal ball and see into the future. But particularly in view of COVID, which is a major disruptor. This is not a hurricane that we're gonna clean up from after a month. You know, FEMA comes in and, and does what they, what they do. And a month later, you know, life is back to normal. This, this has forever changed things. This is a major disruption in, our, uh, uh, um, in, in the global economy. So as a leader, you can, and in view of COVID, you can only plan and see so far ahead. So don't try and go beyond that because you'll drive yourself nuts and you'll drive your team nuts. You can only expect your team to see so far into the future as well. And so my guidance is get through today, have a plan for tomorrow, um, have your eye on next week and have some ideas about next month. Don't worry about next year. 
because things are going to be so different a month from now and two months from now. So, so there's, there's my guidance. You can only reach so far ahead. You can only plan so far ahead and uh, recognize where that boundary is and don't drive yourself nuts and your team nuts trying to go beyond it. Great advice. And Bob, thanks so much for, for being with me and for the thoughts and advice that you've given us today. Hey, thank you. This was a lot of fun. You got it. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Look forward to having you all on the next episode. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.